Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the number seven in UK a gaming <laughs> podcast with Scott Telford and Jules Gill. To be honest, we can completely roll with that. I mean, looking at the, <laughs> the statistics right now, that, that's our new introduction. Me and Jules sure. Gill. I'm Scott Telford, joined by Jules Gill. Should say that's the intro. Hello, Jules Gill. Hey, what's up? And what are we hey, doing up, here? Man? What are we doing here? What we're doing here is the Entitled Banter Podcast, UBP, hashtag UBP, 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 UBP. Um, which is the Entitled Banter Podcast, where every single week we ask people for their questions, their thoughts, their whatever the hell's going on uh, in the world, and we get through as many questions as we can, which to that end, we tend to only get through five <laughs> or something. I was about to say, try. Like, you can count on one hand how many questions we actually answer. <laughs> we raise more questions than we actually answer. But just to quickly explain Jules's little Vox Pop thing at the star um i was having a dive on the chartable.com uh, charts funnily enough and uh, we were number seven what culture gaming was number seven on the uk chart um for spotify downloads last week we've like, currently we're on 15 so that does make your intro a bit of a lie but it might come back <sighs> up again you never know you just, it you will because people tune in not to hear our yeah. gaming takes not to hear our personal thoughts on the industry but about our banter cooking the habits banter. and silly things exactly and so the, the the array of questions that we've got range from crumpets to thor's hammer but you just yes. wait and see um first question from jacob wright who says ubp 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 and um, hope you're all well hope you're well legends well legends to you as well and um, do you, you think developers mainly ubisoft need to reassess the open world genre just completed assassin's creed valhalla and as much as i enjoyed it my God, it was huge. Yes, totally. I 100% think that it, in this day and age, what we should be mm. looking to do is actually scaling down. The yep. amount of times that we've been sold maps that are just like, it's 100 times bigger than San Andreas. Oh, just cause <laughs> two. That's a walk in the park compared to what we've got. It's like, yes, mate, that's fantastic. But I could make a big map. I could literally just go <laughs> uh, like copy, paste, repeat tiles all the way into like infinity. Yeah. But if you don't put in anything worthwhile in it, what is the bloody point? Like, I, I get it. In some cases, is having a big map with little to do actually creates atmosphere. Mm. I would argue that Sea of Thieves, uh, Breath of the Wild, and um, I'm just trying to think of the third example now, and I've really... Uh, yeah, yeah, actually that works, actually. You basically have, it's the, the landscape itself and the piece of the journey of going there, like from point A to point B, it might take a while, yes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a rewarding experience because you feel like you're crafting a meta-narrative within the overarching story. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But if you plonk me into, say, um, uh, the new Assassin's Creed game and just be like, oh, it's really big. It's like, cool, 
but the game is focused on action and stealth segments. So mm -hmm. getting from point A to B literally is wasting my time. Yeah, I've long thought that I, I would love an Assassin's Creed that when it, it kind of like how the original one was, where you were mapping out targets and picking spe specific routes to go in and mm -hmm. get them and hiding amongst the crowd and like, you know, picking your spots. And like, I still remember like a couple of these specific kills from the original one where I, I hid amongst some people on a bench or I hid in amongst the crowd and I shivved the lad in his kidneys. And then I was away, I was just disappeared through the crowd again. And I was like, cool, I actually feel like an assassin. And I feel yep. like over the years, they've just went further and further away from that. I've long thought that if they sort of hybridize that original game's approach to assassinations with something like Hitman, where you've got these like level-based, you know, like, like, you know, sprawling sort mm -hmm. of areas um, and give you a bunch of different ways to take people out. Um, I wonder how much that would clash, I guess, with people who are playing it these days because Assassin's Creed has become this big open world stodge fest. But the thing is, you're totally, the, the stodge, that's the thing that I have the problem <laughs> with. Like if... The way, the way that the um, gamer UI is designed now, the mm. majority of video games will come with like a map that will have a ton of collectibles or stuff posted on there for you. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it removes any sort of chance of exploration because you're not actually going to discover that for yourself. You're just going, I'm going there to tick this I'm box. Go there and hold Thank you button. very much, Microsoft Excel. That's fantastic yeah. fun. So... If they removed that, if they actually gave players more agency and trusted them to explore a bit more, you would end up with, because um, the reason why people raved about Red Dead Redemption 2 wasn't mm. just because of its amazing story. It's because the world felt natural, lived in, and it had tons of secrets hidden in like forgotten cabins that mm. weren't marked in your map. So you would just stumble across them, which made you then go, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to share this with the, my friends. Mm. But if it had a marker saying, abandoned cabin there is a gun here potentially <laughs> here. go here yet yeah, one of 15 sort of thing I, I would just be like oh god i can't be bothered like it drains like, me it to just... know how little i've done in the game you know yeah. what i mean when it like it just it starts feeling like a big to-do list for me. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's because I don't know if it's because we're old men, but I did we've done a lot of this. We've seen that we've seen the the explosion of the open world genre, like yeah. the, the old GTAs, like even Ocarina of Time felt huge back in the day. And then you've got all the GTA boom, then Ubisoft's approach to it. And then I feel like Nintendo sort of reined it back in with Breath of the Wild and just said, look, like it is a sizable space, but it's yeah. ostensibly one giant level. Like there are lots of different ways to climb through here or, ex or experience a 3D space. And I wish more games got back to that, where it's actually mm -hmm. a curated space, not just using the speed tree program to just popular like you said with a whole ton of trees or whatever yeah, like yeah. give me some sort of actual space that is enjoyable to um to explore and and play in like a genuine yeah. a genuine play space that's why um uh spider-man felt very rewarding because it was mm. based on a real space that many people actually like live there and obviously yeah. they know about that area and they've been there the actual streets themselves that familiarity bred a desire to go and see what every every corner or how the game interpreted their real life mm -hmm. into it. Like, a lot of verticality there as well, like in terms of yeah. you, know, you can just nip up and around and back down on some dude for a stealth takedown or you can swing up and give me more verticality in games. I just want to oh, climb 100%, stuff. Like, where, 100%. where are those What things? happened to that? It was just like, yeah. it seems that games are just designed on like a lateral plane now. It's just mm. kind of like, where where is like the giant mountains that I can climb? Where is the like huge features that well, I will the, remember the... looking down at? the rest of the thing that I've that I've already conquered. Yeah, that's the thing. I like I have like a bit of a theory on like you think about gaming this is getting so wide, but you think of gaming <laughs> history and it's like you think of the dawn of the 3D space at the end of the 90s, mm -hmm. you think of Tomb Raider and how it was like look, here's this massive, you know, tall space that you're going to climb, you're going to overcome mm -hmm. this 3D space. And then Metal Gear Solid came in and said, what about cutscenes? What about cinematics? What about acting and voice mm -hmm. acting and pathos? Mm -hmm. And then Uncharted came in and said, what if we added motion capture to that stuff? What if we just chased chased Hollywood a bit more? And I would say we totally did, did achieve that. Like caught up with Hollywood and did Hollywood level storytelling. And I feel like now is when we're kind of going like, okay, we've done that. Now what? 
like LA Noir was yeah. almost like the peak of it. And then you sort of go back to being like, okay, we actually, we, we sort of abandoned 3D spaces and the value of a 3D space. I think that's why Breath of the Wild was such a big deal. Yeah. And you're seeing some games go back into that, like Immortals, Phoenix Rising, like Pathless, games that treat their open spaces as a giant level. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's how it should be. It should be this giant interactive play space as opposed to this big barren thing that occasionally has a well-directed cutscene in it. It, to be honest, uh, going back to the question, it is mm. actually down to the individual developers. Like it's how they program their games because mm. like, oh, we can't just sit here and just whitewash and say that the whole thing is going to be uh, open world games need to be smaller. Yeah. It, the, what the right thing would be is say open worlds need to be designed better. <laughs> like, Yeah, totally. It's, it's weird, right? Because he mentions Ubisoft, but actually like I'd still, I'd, I'll, I'll toot my little banter horn so much for <laughs> Immortals Phoenix Rising. That game yeah. is the absolute answer to everything that we think is wrong with Ubisoft. And it came from the Assassin's Creed Odyssey team just making yeah. a new IP from the ground up. Now it's very collectible focused. It's very, here's a bunch of icons on the map, but it's done with a genuinely enjoyable set of gameplay mechanics and it's animated so well. And I think yeah. there is a way to do that stuff, but the actual size of the world is more like a Fortnite map it's, it's yeah. way smaller yeah. and condensed and actually designed like you said it actually feels like someone went in and said no there should be enemies here there should be a climbable thing here and everything else yeah. and that game totally works um so yeah i mean obviously the answer is yes because we've clearly had so many stodge open world games open <laughs> yeah, stodge yeah. games yeah um, and we're like uh, harkening for something else um but yes next question from an average human could a jedi use <laughs> i totally the force? trust that name <laughs> could, it, could a jedi use the force to move thor's hammer no Ah, right. Okay. So this is the classic thing of um, the elevator is worthy, isn't it? Because like, oh, because yeah. obviously in Thor Ragnarok, he drops the Mjolnir onto the dragon that's chasing him and it hits yes. him on the bottom of the, the yep. face and slams him into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yet two scenes earlier, he's battering Thor around and therefore ignoring the weight of the hammer. Well, Thor has by to doing put that. it down. I think whenever Thor's yes. not wielding it, it, it becomes this sort of ethereally, like, yeah. uh, like a gravity well, like it can't. But it's, 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 always... it's like an electromagnet, isn't it? It just yeah. goes like down and when he walks away, it gets switched on. Because he puts it on someone. I can't remember that now, but it's in one of the other scenes in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Where he just puts it on someone's chest and they can't get up. I mean, I know like Hulk can't pick it up in the first Avengers and things like but, that. But that also implies something else that's interesting. It's not that the the um, the hammer is technically always heavy either, mm. because when no. he places it on that person, it doesn't like crush them into oblivion. Nor the dragon, like it, yes, it was weighed down, mm. but it wasn't like it's not uh, trying to go through the planet, like to yeah, go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So, so it has its limitations. And at the end of the day, well, you could probably just explain this by just saying <laughs> it's comic books, and I'm probably it's probably um, a manifestation. Actually, this is where it probably comes from. I totally have an explanation for this, yeah. In the films, they state that um, uh, Mjolnir is an extension of Thor's power, isn't it? It's like they say, yeah, yeah, it's his worthiness. So therefore, it's uh, in tune with his emotions and feelings and basically has like, he has an influence over it that he's Mm -hmm. not like psychically, I I imagine, Mm -hmm. or magically. So it's therefore, like he, prob- him, yeah. he probably designed, it probably does whatever he needs it to do at the time. And well, that's really the best that, way. Uh, that Odin says in the first Thor about whoever shall prove themselves worthy shall inherit the power of Thor. So it's like, mm. I think that's the exact quote. I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But it's definitely about worthiness. So it's like, if a Jedi was worthy enough, then sure. Because Cap managed to eventually wield it in of Infinity course, War. Sorry, in Endgame. Um, yep. When he was proved worthy enough. Um, but that's it. And obviously in the new Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, we're going to get the um, Jane uh, Foster is going to wield it. Because yes. she'll be worthy enough, but depending on how they're going to spin that story. So yeah, if a Jedi was worthy enough, then I guess so. But it takes an absolute ton of like, I don't know, ground to be covered before you're worthy enough. And Cap had to go through everything Cap did before yep. Mjolnir would like come to him. So I guess actually the answer would be yes, but you'd really have to prove yourself. It would take and a long I- time. 
I think that there might be a technicality to get around it as well, because mm. if the Jedi was powerful enough, it could rip the chunk of Earth that it's embedded in <laughs> up and Just out. Hold it like, up. He, like, technically, they didn't say whether or not the uh, the Jedi could wield Mjolnir. Just no. lift it up. So technically, Just it would count it. as lifting because it would be lifting the entire Earth around it. But that's yeah. But I mean, when you um, open this new set, if 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 Mjolnir was in an elevator and the elevator went up. Then yeah. that elevator is worthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, if they moved a clump of dirt or the entire sort of island of dirt around it, then even like a, the most mad lad Sith could totally do it. But Potentially, yeah. yeah. Ultimately, yes is the answer to that. Even though I said no first, I've talked myself <laughs> out of it but as you do. Um, next question from Steve Aaron's always misses. He always misses the UBP because of the Aussie time zone. Um, so, but thanks for listening anyway. Thank you very much thanks, for checking mate. in with us. Um, he says, "Do you guys think we'll ever we'll get a link to the past or Ocarina of Time remaster for Zelda's 35th anniversary?" Um, also, hot crumpet suggestion: try crunchy peanut butter and a touch of honey. Oh, what a combo! You you are a man after my own heart. That is <laughs> peanut butter on anything. Yes, please, mate. But that dash of honey as well. I mean, if I can substitute it for a bit of agave syrup or some maple syrup, mate, I can't have honey, can I? Vegan. <laughs> Like it's, it's it's dumb, but it, but that's what I, we do. I know that makes perfect sense. I just didn't. If in my mind, bees were not valid, like soul-having creatures. I just sort of Whoa. think of them as you, like, you look I a know. bee in the eye and you tell it that. <laughs> we're full on beeist at this point. But <laughs> yeah. I think I just can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Imagine sure. That. Yeah, that makes the new sense. the new UBP merch. It's UBP. just like it's like Scott Tailford, racist against bees. <laughs> <laughs> no bees allowed in this UK. Yeah, not yeah. in my hive. Like... <laughs> Get all those little bee bouncers. I love speaking yeah. of, speaking of bees. I love all those bee facts about. Like bees love a drink. Like bees love bees. Bees will drink like pure ethanol. Oh they yeah, have, like, they're just little, little bee bouncers that like stay on the side of the hive and won't let them back in if they're too drunk. I got all yeah. of this from Ricky Gervais. It might not be true, but I, I think <laughs> it is. I like the idea of a bunch of drunk bees. Anyway, um, Zelda's 35th anniversary is this year. Nintendo are yet to do anything for it. So what do you think? I think that they will, but mm. it will be a timed exclusive, yeah, much like yeah. the, um, the Mario. Like, you can't see this, but Scott has just put his face <laughs> in his hands because of how much we've talked about how stupid a decision that was to oh. be like, hey, guys, here's a thing that is really cool and interesting. We're doing something really new with a really beloved IP. And everyone's like, that sounds great. For a month. But it's only <laughs> going to be available for a short time. Why, is, Nintendo? Why do you hate I that? I guess it... Oh, it makes it makes perfect business sense as an isolated statement. It's horrible to consumers. Um, but there is is also because they did this with the mini NES, with the mini SNES yeah. as well. Yeah. And they let them go on sale for a bit and then they pull them back. And even when they are on sale, it's limited numbers because they want to drive up the, the uh, sales and the prices and everything mm -hmm. else. It's horrible. And um, it does make the most business sense for them. But also this year, they're juggling uh, Zelda's 35th anniversary with Metroid's 35th anniversary. And I think Donkey Kong's as well. Um, so it's like there is a That's, lot of stuff yeah. you know, to sort of like try and juggle. And I don't, I mean, the answer to that is not make one of them available each other month and rotate them through. You could easily just do everything at once. But I also mm. wonder how they're approaching uh, paying the respects to each thing because all those I... games are going to line up later on this year. I think that if they're going to try and uh, tackle all three of those big IPs together, unless they do something like a Triforce pack, which literally is like the three great hits, like all like in one thing, mm but then is favored towards uh, Legend of Zelda that way, mm -hmm. it probably would be smart for them to do DLC for their other IPs uh, that are doing Maybe. really well. Like if they manage to do um, like, uh, what should we call it? Um, like a Breath of the Wild type thing? Yeah, just just having crossover in their games would be mm. nice. Like, um, even if they got some stuff for Smash, because Smash is so unrelentingly popular. Like, yeah. I mean, later this year, they've got... Well, that's the thing. Breath of the Wild 2 was initially sort of penciled in for this year. And then mm -hmm. Link's Awakening, I think, was last year. Maybe the year yep. before 
yeah, whatever. They tend to, there tends to be something Zelda based every couple of years. So it's like mm-hmm. we're we're right on the cusp of Breath of the Wild too. So I wonder if they'll do like a big blowout and just say, hey, Ocarina of Time HD, we've touched up the 3DS version. Um, yep. And then put like Wind Waker HD, put that on Switch. Um, I guess do like Twilight Princess and stuff and then have a mm-hmm. teaser for Breath of the Wild 2 or maybe a confirmed release date or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you'd have to imagine they'll do something for it. But at the same time, Mario's 35th anniversary was very little. It was just like a collection of those games in worse, fun- uh, worse versions of them, to be honest, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. So unless they just do a collection for each of them, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like... Maybe, maybe. Next question from Grin, a.k.a. Bubel, apparently. Um, mm. Which Ape Escape 2 minigame is the best and why is it Monkey <laughs> Soccer? <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to get confused, but isn't Monkey Boxing part of the Ape Escape 2? Hold on, I'm, go- I'm Googling now. Okay, I've played a lot of Ape Escape 2 um, on PS5, which is as a PSA or an FYI to the world. Ape Escape 2 is one of the most broken games on PS5. It's, I think I talked about yeah. it earlier, but I'm still trying to play it because I love the mechanics so much. I even bought Ape Escape on my Vita just so I could play a workable Ape Escape. But then I remember that it's the original PSP version and it doesn't even recognize the right analog stick. So you're just pushing a button to net monkeys. <laughs> I want to flick so, the stick, mate. Okay, so we've got three mini games from Ape Escape 2, right? Okay. We've got Dance Monkey Dance, which <laughs> is uh, a mini game that is about, you can play it alone or with a friend and you okay. control a monkey dancing to a rhythm. You choose a track and then you choose a song on the track and then you Brilliant. beat each song to unlock the next. And when all the songs on track are beaten, the next track is unlocked. I've wow. not even unlocked any of these yet. Uh, and you've got to uh, clear the ninja hideout in order to unlock that. Then you've got okay. Monkey Soccer, which Good. is uh, very, very fun. I remember playing this and actually having a blast because you get to recruit your... Uh, diff- they've got like, tons of different um, teammates and stuff like that that you can mm. have in it as well. And there's special balls as well that are like spiky and bomb Love balls them. and stuff Friday. like that. Absolutely special amazing. Balls. Yeah. <laughs> special balls. And then you've got Monkey Climber, which <laughs> is... The monkey, monkey climbs on ropes produced by eggplant bees. Oh, they're back in the bees. This sounds like um, what's in Astrobot thing, Astro's Playroom, oh, where yeah, you're just yeah. like doing the climbing thing with the motion controls. And all you've got to do is uh, control the monkey whose goal it is to climb around and collect five bananas before the time runs out. I'm and not going to lie, fun. Dance Monkey Dance sounds pretty good, but maybe it is <laughs> Monkey Soccer. There's five levels of difficulty, right, on the uh, on this last mini game, the Monkey oh. Climber. The most difficult is called Psycho, and the, um, <laughs> the easiest is called Neanderthal. I mean, okay, so you have you played these in the past? Because I haven't got to these yet. I have played them in the past, but it was a long, long time ago. I'm actually looking for uh, what other mini games there are because I believe that there is a you better one. You believe in monkey boxing? It's it's in you somewhere. Game, mini monkey games Ape Escape. Um, yeah, it, monkey boxing sounds like. It's one of those as a, as a wider time. thing, right? Do you you remember when Aperscape first was a thing? Like Aperscape was the first game I bought twice because I got it when I was a kid. I was blown away by it, and then I sold yeah. it. And then I grew up and I saw a picture of it, and I was like, oh my god, I remember being great. I like got the dual analog, rowing that little that little boat that you could row with dual analog sticks. And oh yeah, 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 I yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I need to play this again. So I bought it back, and I remember my mum just being like, "What are you doing? You're buying this thing that's clearly for five year olds." And I was like a teenager at this point, but it was amazing, dual skill. I loved it. Okay, I finally have the answer. This is the official line. You, my friend, who posed us this question, saying that uh, the Super Wait. Monkey Soccer was the best one. Yes, you're wrong. <laughs> and, I hate, and I hate to be the one to break it to you because it feels too personal. Okay. But you're wrong <laughs> because 
Ape Escape 3 has the best one because it does indeed have the monkey boxing. And not only does it have a fantastic name, which is called Ultim Ape Fighter, but it also has the Metal Gear Solid one. It's the Metal oh, Gear that one. That that's, that's in that one there. So Good why Lord. would we say anything else? Because that well, Metal you know, Gear the, Solid is amazing. The question was which Ape Escape 2 minigame is the I best. Know, the but 3 wasn't on the table, Okay, I mean, out of the three, out of yes. the three that's given there, the monkey um, football one is definitely the best. But if okay. we go for the overall, like, what is the best one from all of the uh, franchise, mm-hmm. it's got to be Metal Gear Solid. In fact, I'm going to try and convince our boss to let me do all <laughs> all of the um, the uh, Ape Escape mini games ranked uh, worst to best. Well, I was just thinking we should we should do the best football mini games. He won't there's... do. It. He won't do it. He won't let no. us do it, mate. He won't let us. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just I would like. I mean, soccer is obviously way more of like an English that way around the world thing, other than America thing. But if yeah. we did all the best football mini games, Rayman's Kung Fu Soccer needs to be in there as well. The uh, the Mega Man uh, Battle Soccer one. For the SNES, oh, it was sick, dude! It was it was really broken, like really broken. If you use certain like um, uh, robot masters, you would just have like an unbeatable team. Technically, we could count Blitzball as part of that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
Yeah, yeah, to- I would, oh, totally. Because it's a, it's a five aside, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know the. I don't know if it's the. I don't know what the. I think it's three on three. It's been a long time since. No, it feels like three on three because all you ever remember <laughs> is just swimming to the goal and just being like jack shot two in you get. Yeah, just sort of hoping for the best. Plus ten on my goalkeeper. Managed to say yeah. that again. But um, yeah, best ball games, best ball mini games. Maybe we'll revisit that in the future. I tell you what, go use the hashtag um, hashtag UBP 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 yes. and send us your favourite uh, football slash soccer mini games from just other any, video any games. Ball based, really. I'm thinking. Yeah, just send us ball based, like Cooler World. Mojo. Oh, I, 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 maybe that Overwatch one, uh, but I call it Lucio's weird ball game thing that was like their version of Rocket League. But I oh, didn't yeah, know yeah, yeah, if it was good or not. It just looked a bit weird. Oh, Rocket League has to be on there. Rocket League's totally on there. Even the new Rocket League mobile game would probably be on there. They're doing like a weird side, side really? version of it. Yeah, you sort of like fight sideways. It's oh, a, that's actually pretty thing. cool. I love Rocket League so much that I'll give it a shot. But I also yep. played the Crash Bandicoot mobile game last night and then I just, just hated myself. Just what? <laughs> What is that? I mean, it's, it's it's made by King, like obviously the um crush, mm-hmm. what do you call it, crush candy crush thing. Yeah, and yeah. they it just it made me wince a bit because the first crate that you break open is one of the ones that you would usually jump on in a regular crash, where you yeah. bounce on it five times and they just have you spin through it. And I'm like, you don't even, you don't even understand the crush. They don't care. They just don't care about they're it. Mate. Spin That's your childhood, and they're wiping their bum with it. They really are. It's it's a horrible time. Um, next question from Robert Morrison. Have you ever squeezed your way literally or figuratively through a thing too narrow to turn around in? Like, say, a big boat in a canal. This one time, I... I <laughs> sorry, sorry. Who was the name of the person who wrote this in again? Robert Morrison. Big right, Robert, Robert, Morrison. Listen, right, okay. Big up, Rob. Um, <laughs> big Rob here is trying to disguise the fact that he is a boat. Yeah, this is because that, well, that was mean, a I very specific definition. This is of, a very like, specific thing, but I don't, have you, are you not keeping up with the news? Have you not seen the old, the old Suez Canal being blocked? Are you not, have you oh, not the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the cruise ship from Pokemon yes. getting blocked. At, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently causing the world so many, so many billions of dollars because they all use that one shipping lane uh-huh. to get through. Um, but yeah, he says this one time I sure shanked my way through an underground concrete pipe barely wider than my shoulders. Still terrifies me now. That's why did you do it? Why? There's no, no why. You, no, Big Rob. <laughs> why? Why do you give us this information Rob, and then just and then do not actually tell us about it? Because it's just like that's like saying, like, "Oh yeah, um, uh, people are like sitting around having a party, having a drink, and one of them's still like, oh yeah, yeah, my mate Tony is he's a bit mad, isn't he? And he's just got like, yeah, stabbed a guy the other night, and then just has a sip of his Red Bull, anyway, and then like, everyone yeah. just goes quiet. So sorry, mate, you're gonna have to expand on that. <laughs> like you can't just leave that hanging. This thing reminds me of you know those old um, US, not necessarily US. It was like Green Beret adverts that were on in front of movies where it showed a guy walk going through like an underground, underwater tiny. Hated that. Space. Gave yeah. me claustrophobia. Same. Hated it. And like his his like clothes get stuck on like a little hook, and it's like, oh, is he gonna get Ooh, out? And I think he does get out and then it says like oh green berets it just takes a certain type of person i'm never going to be that person i don't want to be anywhere near that person it's just oh, um, near the training for that person the closest thing that i can come to is uh actually i've got two stories two mm. mini stories for you now okay. it's story time with jules Gill. yeah indeed um the first one is um i uh, went to university uh, in exeter in uh, the uk and that's where uh jk rowling uh, came up with all of the ideas for harry potter okay um, because she went there and basically it was based on a time there mm. and you know that diagonally um that really weird street my part of knowledge is nothing but yes I do yeah yeah it. like that they she based that on a tiny tiny street that's actually between two big buildings and you can okay. only go down in single file and it is actually like you do have to turn sideways if you get 
to the middle bit because okay. the way that the city was structured um it's like there's a just a gap between the buildings mm -hmm. and somebody said yep this is now a road um <laughs> it's created some it. like it was really weird at a time like in the summer when the city was really busy you'd actually mm -hmm. have to like look down the road to see if anyone was coming the other side and right. there would actually even be like awkward discussions of like no i started walking first so back the hell up sort of thing <laughs> um so yeah i got stuck there once um because me and my friends went down there and uh we got stuck i was a friend was in front of me and another person was behind me uh -huh. and we bumped into another group trying to get through and right. they were arguing just being like just let's move and i'm in yeah. the middle just going like, i hate this i really hate the community <laughs> like and just then the, sandwiched in. the second time it was a bit different and a bit more life-threatening <laughs> went i used to go um uh surfing uh this place called porth call um mm. and uh there's a little how best to describe it you to get behind the waves you've got to swim out and go kind of like around this um big uh peninsula style thing mm. and at, at certain times of the day the sea level is so low that you can actually walk out to that little um island rock island sort of thing okay and it's got a gap between it and another huge very very jagged slate reef which is not fun mm -hmm. and you're always told to stay away from it unfortunately i ended up towards that on one of my surfing things so i was like okay i could see the slate reef i'm gonna just try and like crest over to it and put my feet onto it and just like wait until the next wave and then just get the hell out of dodge yeah. but unfortunately i slipped down into the crack and the wave went out fully and exposed the um uh the 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 not not rock it was just like the bedding that was there mm -hmm. and i had to stand on it and time it right and wait for the wave to come through the alleyway That's so all your cross it back out training, all well, your the thing. i was really really i was genuinely terrified <laughs> yeah. because of the fact that if i timed that wrong i would have been slammed against the wall uh -huh. and if it and if i'd waited too long i would have been lifted up into the wall as well so yeah. i had to basically run at the same as i saw it come around the corner and jump so that it would catch me underneath and carry me back out it was horrifying i imagine that Zack snyder style you like you do you jump and you're like <laughs> and then it exploded behind me yeah and it's just everything's in super slow motion but i'm glad you made it out no cracked eggs for you, you oh, i hated it mate. hated it awful that sounds like a hell of a thing i'm um, not a gaming question whatsoever but untitled banter podcast bring them all on he also put yeah. a hashtag saying dinner be fat so I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing that's Scottish. But don't be scared, maybe. Don't know. Translate it. We'll, we'll find out next week. Um, next question from Haley Streams from Quarantines. What's an objectively nice. bad game that you love anyway? They always loved A Dog's Life for PS2 as a kid, even though it's a <laughs> garbage track, game. Pal. That is trash, pal. That is a garbage, that game. Dog's Life love was it, fun. Though. I'll totally say that. It's, no, to be fair, though, like it's one of those things where um, I'm a huge fan of finding uh, four to five out of ten games that yeah. you, know, you love. Like for me, uh, fighting Force on the PS1. <laughs> Absolutely love that game. I played I love it over a good, and like over. Said, five, six out of ten game. I I really want to do on the site. I think we've mentioned this before, but I really want to do the best six out of ten games ever because yeah. I feel like everyone knows what that is, but it's not like a term almost. Yeah. But like there are so many great six out of ten games. Like, I've always said Bugs and Taz Time Busters is like my ultimate one on the PS1. I thought that was brilliant. I thought, I thought it was great game. too. I mean, like the um the solo Bugs game was worse, but I always remember thinking that the Bugs and Taz one was a great co-op game. I'm sure it's aged like hell, but I remember like, liking it when i was a kid yeah um there is actually a really really uh bad video game i'm just checking the name of it mm. i think it's called uh, is this what it's called yeah it is right have you heard of a video game on the playstation one called the unholy war 
Yes. Oh my, that's a great game. That's a brilliant game. <laughs> but when you go back and look at it now, it is utter. It is utter cack. It is like that weird floating shark thing that yeah, you. Could, I just yeah. remember thinking it was. You cool can play as a rhino. Was, yeah, it was like a. It was like a like a beat. It was like a brawler. You like one on one. I think the best way to like, describe it is uh, Power Stone meets Smash Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like an early Smash Brothers, but like mm. with a different sort of camera angle. Back. Young me thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like I just thought the creature designs were great, and uh, yeah, it's almost like a kaiju battle almost. It's a thing. Oh. Okay. Um, there's actually one more entry that we should definitely okay. include. Have you ever played the beat-em-up game called Psychic Force? No, but I have heard of it. Is oh. it was it a good time? Oh. <laughs> it was the best time. <laughs> I will try and sell this to you now. I've okay. got like, I'm gonna put myself on like a 30-second timer. I'm gonna okay. give you the elevator pitch for it. Bring it. It's a fighting game, 3D. You're trapped cool. inside a cube. Everyone's got psychic powers that are based on different elements. The main bad guy is called Keith. <laughs> this is okay. You've mentioned this before because you've told yes, me I have before, but I didn't know that was from Psychic Force. The um, all of I just I just had to Google to look at some artwork for it. There was another anime style beat em up game that was on PS One, and I never right. remember its name. And it was like there was a red ninja in it with like a blue jewel in his head, and there was a woman that had like a pink top, and she had really oversized boobs, and they were in the classic animation and. It was all really over the top and anime-ish. And I don't remember much else about it. There was like a guy that could like conjure portals. He was like a Brian Fury style dude. And cool. he had like a mark on his chest, I think. I, someone out there will know what this is. And I'll try and describe, I'll try and find what it is before next week. I don't um, know that one. That was a cool, that was, it look, when I'm looking at Psychic Force, I, it's reminding me of this other thing. Okay, we've got to find like, that game. Yeah, Help I can't Scott put it find his mystery game. <laughs> but it was a cool thing. And that was a PS1 uh, beat him up as well. Um, but yeah, objectively bad game that we love anyway. I, I've stuck through Pokemon Go for the last six years. I, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I mean, it's not, it's great now. I think it's legitimately one of the best Pokemon games of all time now, but it definitely went through a weird downswing when they removed all the radar stuff out of yeah. and you were just swiping yeah. collecting magic cops for like a year um but what's what's your objectively bad game that you love anyway psychic force i, I, I guess it is actually psychic force because it's not it's not good by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> um i or i do you know what i've got a soft mm-hmm. spot for um uh for gekido as well that oh, was okay, on yeah. um uh ps1 it was like the another days sort of the like, blade was that something yeah else? i think so i think that's what uh-huh. it was but it, uh, the only thing that was the most memorable about it was that it had a sub sample from the um from a slipknot soundtrack Ooh. you know the bit was like it's the one that starts with it just had that for ages and ages and you're like yeah and uh dude i think it's jim root plays that and uh you know, he oh, yeah. just stood there doing that in front of the stage for like 20 minutes I was like, are you gonna do the song or is it just gonna be like like that's just just that for as long just like a way a tape recorder that's stuck <laughs> it was a good time um final question from coach marv regular coach marv hello oh, coach i love marv. him thank you very much and um, he says if you met someone for the first time and had to give them three music albums and two video games or vice versa to give them an idea of who you are as a person what would you choose and why this is very bloody hard. hell very that hard. is a tough one that's kind of like your desert island discs a little isn't bit it? because it's like yeah. what would you Okay, so to tell you, gotta go off gut feeling. We'll try and we'll try I, and keep it. We'll um, try and keep it snappy. I can okay, do something I, off the top of my head. Yeah, go on. You go first. Okay. While I formulate my plan. I think if if it's three, okay, so three music albums, two video games. The music albums, one of them would be Alter Bridge. Um, mm. I would give someone Blackbird by Alter Bridge. Um, I would then give them a synthwave album. I'd give them Trilogy by Carpenter Brew, and then I'd need something that is a little bit more video gamey. 
Um, and maybe, I don't know, some sort of score. I was going to say the Halo 2 soundtrack, but that's only because Whoa, it brings me so much big joy. Boy. I, that Molnia mix, speaking of Molnia early on, the yeah. Molnia mix of that music that's on there. And In Amber Clad is another great song. I'm just Nate, I'm just random stuff from the Halo 2 soundtrack. <laughs> I think it would be those two. And then the two video games, um, I think it would be Metal Gear Solid the, and on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. Not Twin Snakes. Um, and then something probably Rocket League or something that's something that I go back to all the time. Nice, no, nice. no, Mortal Kombat 11. It would be Ooh, Metal Gear okay. Solid and Mortal Kombat 11 because MK11 has completely replaced Rocket League as my casual game of choice. But um, what would your albums and, and games be? So my albums are actually very tough to try and define what I am. So mm. I would say if I had to go just on pure gut feeling, I would give somebody... Something that's kind of like heavy, but also has electronica in it. Mm. So I probably swing towards the prodigy. Maybe sure. I would give just because of the fact that it's like a universally appreciated band. Mm. Um, but Which I album? wouldn't be. Well, that's the thing. Because um, the I would probably give them. I'm just uh, going loading up to the one that my dad gave me on the um, the cassette nice. tape. I think it was Fat of the Land. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Fa- yeah, Fat of the Land is the one that I'd give everyone mm. because I just think that it's timeless. It's just ridiculously good tunes over and oh. over and over. Then I would probably, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change my, my answer to that. <laughs> I, as much as I love the Prodigy, uh-huh. I don't feel like, I feel like there's a band that exemplifies the simplistic brutality of electronica and that's Rammstein. Oh, I'd get, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 yeah, I'd give them like Duhast or something like that. I, just, I, was I feel say, like which, which Rammstein album? It's, it, that's a, it's a tough yeah. question, but it was just yeah. out of my gut feeling. I've got to go for the first one that I ever listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, then I probably slip over a Death Grips. I probably okay. give the Money Store, which is just a fantastically brutal, crazy <laughs> album. I stayed away from the screamy stuff, but I would totally have something like the, the While She Sleeps, uh, the URW yeah. album, um, or the, I just say the New Architects, but I guess it would be something older for them. But some sort of screamy based thing, some sort of I, metalcore scream thing. And then I'd probably round out the pack by giving somebody like Cancer Bats, but yeah. I'm just struggling. Like it's which either Hail Destroy. Though? Well, Hail Destroy is great, but only because of the fact that it's simplistic brutality. But oh. Bears, Mayors, Bone Scraps is God. very good. What's the what's the one that's got uh, Old Blood on it? It's the um, the one from Oh, the Dead 20- Set on Living. Yeah, Dead Set on Living. I think mm. it's because that was so sick live. Like Old Blood yeah. live was unreal. Like if I mean, I, I don't know. I even know what the average populace's thoughts towards screamy music is. But if you can stand it, Old Blood is unreal. It's great. Yeah, he's got such an interesting voice as well because he can bust out these nice low guttural like groans. Mm-hmm. But he has such a high register for the rest of the stuff mm-hmm. that it's like yeah, 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 something like that. <laughs> that is like it takes a bit of getting used to. But my uh, God, when it grabs you, it does. I remember meeting uh, Cormier after one of the gigs and he was just mm. shattered. He was just soaked. I was like, I love he, you. Look, I he gives fun. his everything to it especially remember when he used to have the massive um sidehawk it was just like it was like (laughs) down to his like waist but it was only just one side it's crazy he was like 10 years ahead of where most people would start getting sidehawks like a hawkeye got his in infinity war or whatever it was an end game but um so those are your three music albums what are your two games um it would have to be bioshock because i think that it's just fantastic i love Mm -hmm. that game and probably um command and conquer red alert Ooh, these are very, very, very good picks. Just because of the fact that actually no, XCOM, mm. XCOM. Oh, like it's it's got to oh, be X-Com. just because of the amount of stress and love that I've given to that <laughs> game. Like it's yeah, fantastic. XCOM is an absolute delight. I still need to play the War of the Chosen stuff. I just don't trust right. the consoles to play it well enough. Hands well enough. down, I swear to Christ, to slime Jesus, <laughs> that it is the best 
expansion that I've ever played for a game. It offers okay. so much. It's so good. I love the idea of it. I love the idea of injecting story in, and like having almost like a Shadow of Mordor style like mm-hmm. uh, faction the nemesis, system, to, nemesis yeah. system you're trying to sort of uh, chase down and stuff. Anything XCOM is just cool. Um, that's a really great question. Thank you very yeah, much. Thanks. Coach Mark. And thanks very much to everybody else. That is a ton more. We'll pr- uh, try and get to next week. Um, but thanks to everybody for sending stuff in. Um, how many, how many now, did we do? Was that five? Five questions? Uh, we got through one, two, three, a four, a five, a six, a seven, oh. a seven, a seven, seven. questions. Seven entire questions. I, re- I want to get through more of them. I want to do more quick fire type stuff, but that's really good and they, they're worth diving into a bit more, especially at the beginning about open world stuff. Um, so, yes, thanks to everybody for sending in their questions. This has been another Untitled Banter podcast. I've been Scott Tailford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much. I will catch you all next week. UBP. UBP. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.